That's where we find ourselves. John chapter 10 is known as the Good Shepherd Discourse. And if you remember, a couple weeks ago we were talking about a blind man, a man born blind, from birth, always been blind. Jesus, as he's walking away from the Pharisees and the scribes who were uh, giving him grief about uh, the many things that he was doing, As he walks past them, they're seeking to kill him. He walks right through their midst. He comes down the southern steps of the temple as he's leaving the temple area. And there is a man born blind whom he touches and heals. Now you remember that man born blind, Jesus gets in trouble again. Why? Not because he breaks God's law. He broke man's law. Man's law was that you couldn't heal on the Sabbath. And so the scribes and the Pharisees are upset and they literally put this blind man on trial. Hey, we want to know what's going on. Why was this man who was born blind? How can he see? Is he lying? Did someone really open his eyes? Folks, this is why that's so important. In the Psalms, David wrote that it is only Jehovah God, only the covenantial name of God, the Yahweh, the YHVH, only God Almighty can open the eyes of the blind. And when Jesus opened that blind man's eyes, he was declaring indeed that he was God Almighty come in the flesh. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees had already said, if anyone said that Jesus was the Christ, the Mashiach, the anointed one from God, if they said he was the Messiah, they would be cast out. And so this man, born blind, He goes on this journey of not really knowing who Jesus is, but realizing who he doesn't want to be like, the scribes and the Pharisees. And so, he ridicules them. And they cast him out. The moment that he's cast out, if you back up just a little bit in John chapter 9, going back to verse 35, let's read it together. The moment that he was cast out, the scripture says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? So who went looking for the blind man? Jesus did. You know, that should give us comfort, shouldn't it? Because guess what? Jesus comes looking for each one of us. He comes looking for each one of us. He goes and looks for the blind man in his lowest time. All of society had cast him out. Now, as far as he was concerned, he spent his whole life as a cast out anyway. He was blind. All he could do was beg. He couldn't even have a job. He just sat there at the southern steps his entire life begging. Now he can see. And all he knows is if this is what society is like, I don't want to be a part of it. Forget it. They cast him out and there's Jesus right there. And he says, do you know the Son of God? Do you know who the Son of God is? Do you believe? Will you put your hope and your trust in the Son of God? Well, look what he said. He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Now, there are some folks out there that will say Jesus never claims to be God. Apparently, they never read the Gospel of John. Because every chapter... In the Gospel of John, Jesus declares his deity. I am the Son of God. That's what he's saying. And look what takes place, folks. The very next thing. He said, Lord, I believe. And he what? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. What does the Bible say? Worship goes to who? God only, right? Every time we see an angel receive worship in the Bible, what does he do? He corrects them, stands them up. Hey, I'm just a servant like you. Don't worship me, worship God. What does Jesus do? He receives worship. Why? Because he's God. In the flesh, Jesus, God, was manifest in the flesh, and his name was Jesus Christ. And so here we see this. So Jesus says to him, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see. Who is he talking about? The blind man. He didn't see, now he sees. And that those who see may be made blind. Now some of the Pharisees, now remember the Pharisees were just trying to kill him. Now he healed this guy. He goes, Jesus goes and finds him. The Pharisees are probably staking the dude out, right? They're staking him out. Sooner or later, Jesus is going to... Do they care about the blind man? 
No, they don't care about the blind. Folks, when, when people are all caught up in self-righteousness and legalism, they don't care about people. They just care about self. So they're trying to trap Jesus. Well, here Jesus says, I've come to do two things, that the blind would see and that those who think they see will know they're blind. And so the Pharisees, they say to him, are we blind also? Well, yeah, fellas, you're the guys he's talking about. I mean, you and I, we get it, don't we, when we read it? Yeah, he's talking about y'all. Well, Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore, your sin remains. And chapter 10 begins, same discourse. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, just guessing, I'm guessing that Jesus is going to say that the Pharisees and the scribes are thieves and robbers. Why? Does a thief or robber care about you? No, what do they care about? Self, what can I get from you? What can I take from you? Jesus says, the one that's true is going to use the door. He's going to follow what the Word of God dictates, what God's Word lays out for us. Folks, we read God's Word, it very clearly tells us how the Messiah would be recognized, doesn't it? It doesn't tell us what Jesus would look like, but it tells us exactly what He would do. And Jesus, every time He stops, He declares, I'm the Messiah, I'm the promised one. I'm the son of God. He's laying all these things out for him because he says, I'm coming through the door. But all these other guys, they're thieves and robbers. Well, let's look. He goes on. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads him out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Paul would write to us in the book of Corinthians why this is. Paul said that the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit. To the man whose spirit is made alive, born again, he can recognize the spirit's working in us. We see the truth of God's word. It makes sense to us. But to the natural man, they can't get it. They don't understand. Once upon a time, don't you love stories that start like that? Once upon a time, outside the city known as Bethlehem, There was a group of shepherds all gathered. As they would on the cool nights, the shepherds would gather together. And as they were gathered together, a a young priest, he came outside of the city and he was offering his prayers. And as the priests would do in those days, they would stand where people could see him and lift their arms and, and pray out loud so everyone would know how holy they were. And this old man, he saw the young man preaching and he, he went over to him and he says, why are you praying? And the young man says, well, I'm praying to, you know, the the Lord God Almighty. I'm praying to El Shaddai, mighty God. I'm praying to Yahweh. And the old man said, I didn't say, who are you praying to? I said, why are you praying? Well, I'm praying that God would send his deliverer and that he would would set his people free. The promises of God would would come true. And, And the old man just laughed and shook his head. And a young priest says, why, why are you so upset? He says, well, I, I don't think there's any value in praying. What's the point? I mean, we're in bondage to the Romans. Whatever little bit I make is going to go away in taxes. You want to pray for something? Pray for something worthwhile. Pray that God would be able to understand what it's like to be me. Pray that God would understand what it is to be hungry and cold. Pray that he would know what it's like not to have a home, not to have a place to go. Pray that he would understand what it means to be rejected. Pray that he would understand what it is to be despised, like the shepherds. But you know, that's not enough. That's not enough. I want God to know what it's like to be like me. I want him to know what it's like to be lonely. I want him to know what it's like to look into a mother's eyes who just lost her child. You pray to God. 
That's not enough. There's one more thing. I want God to know what it's like to be like me, to die like I'll die, lonely, by myself. No one's going to care. No one's going to shed a tear. Now you have something you can pray for. The old man began to cry and go back to the little huddle of shepherds. He gathered in. They passed the bottle around. The young priest didn't have no answer for him. Finished his prayers and walked back into a city that had no room in the inn. But as the young priest is walking into the city, he could hear from a manger the cries of a newborn baby. As God, the great shepherd, became man. As God walked in our shoes. Understands what it is to be rejected. Knows what it means to feel sorrow. Knew what it was like to have a good friend die. And died for us. So that we would never have to experience those things alone. For our good shepherd... He went before us to prepare the way. Jesus, as he lays out this story for them, he's declaring to them what it is to be the shepherd of God's people. If you would consider the book of Genesis, and the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, in Genesis chapter 49, we see... Jacob blessing his children. I'm just going to share one verse with you. Genesis 49, verse 24. His bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From God comes the shepherd, the stone from Israel. Who is the shepherd? Do we remember the 23rd Psalm? How does the 23rd Psalm begin? Turn there with me. How does the 23rd Psalm begin? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, if you take careful consideration in your Bible, if you look, that will be capital L-O-R-D. That means it's the tetragrammaton, the impronounceable name of God, Yahweh, Y-H-V-H, all consonants. It is saying to us, the Lord, that phrase... He is saying, the I am of the burning bush is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, when, when, when Jacob was talking about the stone, what's he talking about? In the book of Daniel, guys, all the world's kingdoms are arrayed in this statue. And what destroys the statue? A stone not made with hands has become the chief of the corner, the cornerstone which was rejected. Again, speaking of the Lord. Speaking of, of Jesus Christ, in the 23rd Psalm, as we consider what it is that, that the Lord is laying out for us, He's declaring that He is the shepherd of His people, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He meets my every need. Who is God of Exodus chapter 3, verse 14? He said, I am the becoming one. I am everything you need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He meets my needs. He fulfills that, that space within me that says there's got to be more to life than this, doesn't there? There's got to be more to life than waking up every day, going to work, slaving, doing what you can to provide for your family. Is it just chasing that endless wheel like a, like a rat in a cage? Or is there more to life? Is there meaning? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Do you know what you have to do to get a sheep to lie down? A sheep, some of you probably know better than me. A sheep has to feel safe, secure. It can't be having any angst with any other sheep within the flock. It must be satisfied. Or it won't lay down. 
How is it that these sheep lie down? Because the Lord is with them. He is their peace. He has become our peace, right? Jesus Christ, our peace, He makes us to lie down. He's the one that makes us feel satisfied. He's the one that makes us feel as though He's going to care for us and meet our needs. He leads me beside the still waters. That shepherd takes us to where the water is safe to drink. Leave a sheep on their own. They'll drink anything. But when the Lord is their shepherd, He leads them beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, the other thing about sheep that is similar to us, a sheep is prone to wander. They make a fence just for sheep, don't they? Because regular fence just ain't good enough. They got to have sheep fence. Why they got to have sheep fence? Because if a sheep sees a hole that its head fits through, it thinks the rest of its body will too. A sheep is prone to wander. If it's given the opportunity, it's going to get away. Is it safe out there? Have you ever met a sheep in a dark alley and been afraid? Whoa, it's Lambzilla. No, we don't see things like that, do we? No, nobody's afraid of a sheep. You look at a sheep, you see it bare its fangs at you. Well, that's a scary sheep. No. But they're prone to wander. How do they defend themselves? Oh, they're defenseless. Who defends them? Their shepherd. Who goes out and seeks them when they're lost? The shepherd. Who is my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. This is what Jesus is beginning to declare to the Pharisees. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Personal pronoun just changed. Do you see it? It just became personal. Just became personal. He said, He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Then when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Because that's when we recognize there's the shepherd. When, When the wolves are coming, trying to destroy, there's the shepherd. We recognize, we're looking at him. It's as though the psalmist David is looking at, at Jesus' face right now. For you are with me. And for the rest of the chapter, it's personal. It's personal to him. Listen, not only are you with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What did he do with the rod and the staff? He guides the sheep and he beats the wolves. That's all good stuff, right? Now, we, like sheep, tend to be led astray. But Jesus Christ, he comes alongside with that shepherd's crook and guides us back in the paths of righteousness, doesn't he? He's not going to let us go. He's going to bring us back. He gathers us back together. His rod and his staff comfort me because I know that if I keep Jesus Christ is a main thing in my life. I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. But God's going to keep me on the right path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are always going to be true. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He will make your path straight. He will guide your steps. He'll show you the way. I can't mess it up. I got one thing to do. Keep my eyes on the shepherd. Stop being a sheep trying to dig my way out the fence. I'm not all that threatening. I might think I am. I might think I look pretty cool on that Harley with them big old ape hangers. But God knows the truth. I'm a sheep. Not very scary. I need a shepherd. I need someone to help me, to be with me, to watch me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He provides my sustenance, even though everything around me is is chaos. Even though there's enemies surrounding me, God provides my sustenance. There was a time in 
in Kathy in my life where the Lord was really dealing with me on some issues in my life. And I was, uh, I was really chasing the American dream, which is get more than everybody else has, basically. And so I'm trying to do all those things. And, and one day, very clearly, I was at work and I was getting out of my truck, going in. I wasn't really thinking about anything, just kind of wondering what the Lord had for me, what God's plan was for my life. And I felt the Lord speak to me, January 7th, I want you to quit this job. Well, it's a pretty good job. And I don't have another job lined up, Lord. I, I'm not sure that's wise. Let me share something with you. It's not wise. It's not, unless God said it. In which case, it's stupid not to listen to Him. If the Lord lays it on your heart, man, that's God saying, hey, this is what... So I walked right into the office, and I told my boss, I sound ridiculous, I told my boss, uh, it was like five months, it was before January. So a long time before January, I told him, January 7th is going to be my last day. You know, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll fulfill all my contracts that I have with you. But after that, I'm done. He said, well, what are you going to do? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. So, so I leave. And, and seriously, it was not out of work even one day. Before that day came, God provided a job for me uh, in Palm Springs. But the thing about it was when I took the job in Palm Springs, it gave me all this time where I could go to Bible college. I had this desire to go to Bible college, but no time. So the Lord provided what I needed so that I would be able to do that. Well, as a result of going through all that, we entered into a time of financial hardship because the boss that I had worked for, he, he stole my retirement account to pay his bills. So when I cashed in my retirement account to pay my house payment, there was no money there. But he didn't just do that to me. He did it to the other 100 employees, too. The great thing about our world system is, as soon as he got caught and the, and the FBI and all those guys were coming to get him, you know what he did? He declared bankruptcy, and the next day, he opened it up again with the same name, same initials, changed the name slightly. Didn't spend one day in jail. Got all that stuff. As a result... I lost my house, I lost my cars, I lost all this stuff because I had had my trust in that account. You know what I'm saying? This was going to bail me out. God didn't want my trust there. Where did he want it? With him. So we enter into this time of, of financial hardship and, and we're going through difficulties and, and I'm just, you know what? If God says it, that's, that's how it's going to be. That's what we're going to do. And I remember one day in particular, Kathy come to me and says, oh, we, we got all the bills paid. And we got a choice. We can, we can either tithe, we can send in our tithe to the church, or um, you know, we can pick up some extra groceries. What do you want to do? I says, well, let's tithe. I, I felt like that was a, a direction God was leading us. So we, we tithe. Kathy said, you know, we're going to be okay. All we're missing is a little bit of milk, a couple loaves of bread, and some lunch meat. Oh, come on. We make it. Piece of cake, right? That night at church, Wednesday night service, we have worship going on. We have a little love offering box in the back. We drop our tithe in the love offering box. We sit out in the worship. At the end of the service, uh, pastor stands up and he says, Hey, by the way, just want to let you guys know, Smith's Market down the street just closed. And they had a bunch of leftover food. So they shipped it all up here to our cafe. So if any of you need milk or bread, all the milk or bread you need is in the cafe right now. So, Kathy, you should have seen her. She jumped in the air, clicked her heels together. Woohoo! <laughs> my God can supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, right? So, God supplying our need. Kathy runs in there and there's this fella named Tom Walsh, and she's telling him, You get Kathy excited and listen to her talk. Woohoo! <laughs> you have to strap it on. What? Back up. But she's going really fast and she's talking to Tom about all the ways that God met her needs. And she's telling him about all we were missing was, was bread and milk and a package of lunch meat. And look, we got all the bread and milk we could ever need. And right then, Tom's face turns white. So she's quiet for a minute. And he says, well, this must be for you. And he opens up his box. In that whole truck, there was one package of lunch meat. 
He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Does God know how to meet our needs? He does. Can we trust Him? Sure we can. But we have to remember, we're sheep, huh? Sometimes we forget. But isn't He our good shepherd? The Lord is our shepherd. He wants to show us the way. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you turn to Psalm 80, in Psalm 80 verse 1, the scripture declares to us, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Who's he talking to? When we study the book of Exodus, we come to the tabernacle, and the book of Exodus tells us who dwells between the cherubim? God Almighty. Who is the shepherd they're praying to? Almighty God. El Shaddai. Our provider. Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh. That shepherd, that great shepherd. But listen, before we we go away from some of these, turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. We get a little Bible uh, exercise today. The book of Ezekiel, I'm just going to share some of Ezekiel chapter 34 with you. Because while God is the shepherd, he also appointed shepherds of the flock of Israel, didn't he? And who were they supposed to be? Scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, they were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel. So here's what God has to say to them in Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that which was driven away, nor sought that which was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. This is God speaking to the leadership of the nation of Israel. But we look down in verse 11. Thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among the scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel." In the valleys and in the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. I will bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. God's words to those who were to be shepherding His flock. So when we come back to John chapter 10 and we consider what Jesus is talking about, so many times it's easy to read this and forget what it is that Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, listen, you guys were supposed to be shepherds, but you're thieves and robbers. You're stealing from the people. But God has sent the good shepherd. And Jesus said to them again in verse 7, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Another one of the I am statements of God. I am who? Jesus came to declare to us who God is. I am the door of the sheep. He's not saying, he's not saying that He is the door. Listen, you have to understand the sheepfold. The sheepfold in those days was a tall stone wall built in a circle with no door or gate. The shepherd would put his sheep in it and make his bed in the door so that the sheep could not go, so that wolves could not pass, Because he had become the door. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheepfold. 
I am the provider. I am the protector. But he's going to build on this concept. He said, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. What's the difference between thieves and robbers? Thieves steal by stealth. Robbers steal by violence. That's what the Greek lays out for us. Thieves and robbers, stealing, coming to destroy. He said, I am the door. I'm not the doors. I'm not one of the doors. I am the door, singular. How many ways to God? One way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? I am the door. If who? Anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If who enters? Anyone. Only particular people? No, it says anyone. The Bible says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He'll find that pasture going in and... Why'd that do that? How'd that go upside down? The devil must be here. (laughs) All right. And he'll be able to find pasture. What's that mean? It means that he's going to feel so safe, so secure in Christ Jesus, that you are so safe and so secure in your salvation that you can go in and out and feel at peace. Because the Lord is what? My shepherd. He has become everything that I need. That's what he is. That's what he's done. Well, let's go on. He goes on and says, now the thief, I want you to notice, thief, singular, thief. He's talking about the one behind the thieves and the robbers. The thief, the devil, Satan. The thief does not come except to what? Steal and kill and destroy. He may promise all kinds of things, but he's only come to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's the same thing he's always done. Same three plays. I have come that they may have life and that they have, may have it more abundantly. I love that word for life, that abundant life. It's the word Zoe. Zoe is not mean that you're going to have more stuff than everybody else. Zoe does not mean that you're going to have more money, that you're going to have nicer cars, bigger house, that you're going to have more trick garage than the guy down the road. Zoe means that you have unstoppable life. It's a life that God came to give us so that when everything's upside down, you won't give up. So that when everything gets sideways and we go through tough times, so that we don't just quit. Why? Because He is my life. He's my shepherd. Things might be hard. Sometimes we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, right? But who's with us? The Lord is with me. He's there. So I can take one more step. That's why I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. Why? Because the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar heated the fire seven times hotter than normal. And when the soldiers were taking him to throw him in, as he got to the place where he was going to throw him in, those soldiers died. Well, how did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get in the fire? They walked. How come? Well, Nebuchadnezzar tells us, doesn't he? How many fellows did we throw in there? Three. How come there's four? And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Because in the fire, in the shadow, or in the, in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. That's Zoe. Unstoppable life. Paul explained it to us. Paul said, I've been beaten with rods five times. I've been shipwrecked. He said all kinds of stuff. I try to quote it all for you, but I'll mess it up. But, but you look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He lays it all out for us. All the things that he went through. All the things that he suffered. And he never gave up. Why? Because he had Zoe. Abundant life. Not abundant in things. Abundant in the Lord. Abundant in Him. Well, he goes on and says, Now, I've come to give you life more abundantly. Why? I am the good shepherd. What did Psalm 23 say? Who's the shepherd? 
The Lord is my shepherd. Capital L-O-R-D. Tetragrammaton, the very name of God. What did Jesus just say? I am the good shepherd. I am almighty God. Same thing, isn't it? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That word for is a word hooper. It means he gives his life instead of the sheep. Instead of the sheep dying. Instead of the sheep perishing. Instead of the sheep being lost. He came that he might give us life. In our place, the shepherd died for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I've come to give my life for the sheep. But a hireling, now he's talking to the Pharisees, remember? But a hireling, he is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. He sees a wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Hey, I'm the good shepherd. You know how I know I'm the good shepherd? I'm willing to die for my sheep. You're a hireling. All you care about is what you can get for yourself. You don't care about the sheep. You lose a couple sheep, what do you care? You're not going to go look for them. If a wolf comes, you'll just get out the way and let them have the sheep. That's a hireling. But God said, I'm not a hireling. I'm the good shepherd. Always with you. You remember how he said he would go? He called them out of the sheepfold and then he said what? I will lead you. I will go first where you will come after. I'll show you the way. I'll show you how to get there. I'm going to lead you through. Again in verse 14 he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. I know my sheep. You know what's so cool? Listen to this. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I, what's it say? Have. Which are not of this fold. Did he say, other sheep I will have? No, he said what? Other sheep I have. His sheep, he knows them. He he knew you on this day. He knew you. On this day, he knew your name. The Bible tells us that we are chosen in God by his foreknowledge. God chose us way back then. Other sheep I have, not I'm going to have, they're mine already. Is Jesus going to lose any sheep? Does the good shepherd lose sheep? No, he don't. The good shepherd saves the sheep. This is what Jesus is declaring. Hey, I have other sheep. He's talking about us that are not part of that fold, but they're mine. The Bible tells us, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy set before him? His sheep. He knows them all by name. Whenever Jesus told the story and he used a name, he was talking about his sheep. Whenever Jesus tells a story and he doesn't use a name, they're not his sheep. They're not his. He knows my name. He knows your name. And one day, in the stillness, I will hear him speak, Jackie, time to come home. Oh, don't mourn for me on that day. I will smile big as I see my Savior face to face. 1 Thessalonians tells us that we will not all sleep. For on that day, when the trump of God is sounded, when the Lord God shouts, 
The dead in Christ will be raised first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him, and so we will always be with Him. How's God going to call us home that day? Maybe we'll just be walking down a road, the world's all upside down, and we'll hear someone say our name. That sounded like it came from up there. And the next thing you know, there we are. My sheep know me, and I know my sheep. We recognize the voice of our Savior, don't we? I know the only time I don't recognize my wife's voice is if she's at her sister's house. Forget about it. Her sister answers the phone, and I'm all talking to her. Oh, hey, babe, how you doing? And she's like, um, I'm okay. Are you, do you think I'm Kathy? Oh, glad I didn't say anything else. <laughs> the Bible tells us we know Him. How do we know Him? We know Him when we read His letter to us, right? Love letter from God, Genesis to Revelation. Speaking of the redemption of men, we have to read our Bible every day if we want to know Jesus. We want to understand Him. We want to know who He is. We want to hear His voice. We want to recognize the sound of our shepherd because we'll hear it on these pages. Living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. And it meets a need for us. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. No longer will there be two. No longer is there Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. For we are what? All one in Christ. Unity that we have in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful thing. This is what he's talking about. Hey, we're all part of one flock. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Remember, Jesus goes first where we must follow. Does He call us to lay down our life? Listen, Jesus said, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. He also said, no man has left mother or father or, or building, house, stuff, things, money. No man has left those things behind that he doesn't, what, gain more in Christ Jesus, in Him, in that relationship. Folks, everything in this world that goes sideways, upside down, every horrible thing we've ever read about, every act of evil that we wondered about when we read the newspaper, Jesus Christ says all those things are put to right in Christ Jesus. Here, it may be sideways, but when we get to heaven... It's going to be right. It's going to be right. There are people that say, I I can't put my faith in a God that allows evil. Do you realize that the fact that you even recognize evil proves that there's a God? How would you know there's there's moral right anywhere in the world? You're just assuming that what you think is right is right and this is evil? That says that there's a God. That says that he's placed into our lives an understanding, just like the Bible said, he wrote his law in our hearts, and we know some things are wrong. And we recognize evil, so it proves to us that there is a God. And he's going to make everything right because he laid down his life that he would take it up again. And if we lay down our lives for him, we're never going to be left short. Oh, things in our life will be different. If I'd have stayed at that job I had, I made a whole lot more money, bought a big house, drove fancy cars. I could have had a lot of different things. Does that make my life better than it is today? I want you to know, there's no place on the planet I would rather be than right here, right now. Because I know this is what God called me to. And you can't chase me away by offering me a bigger house, fancy cars, or all that junk. Because the devil just going to rob, steal, and destroy it anyway. First thing happened when I got that Harley is it got a scratch on it. You know what that means? It's falling apart. <laughs> Man, I'm not chained to that thing. If it goes down, let it go down. I'm not going with it. 
I, I'm willing to lay down my life because I believe what Jesus said here. He's my good shepherd, right? He's leading me, showing me the way. He's going to help me take it back again. When I get to heaven, Paul would say, for I do not consider it worthy to even be compared. The suffering that we are enduring now to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. There's so much more. There's so much more. And that's what Jesus is declaring here. He says, no one takes it from me. He's talking about his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And this command I have received from my Father. I am laying it down, and I will, I will raise it up again. Who was responsible for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, he just said, he was. But listen, folks, the resurrection, the power in the resurrection is attributed to the Son, to the Father, and to the Holy Spirit. To the Father in Romans 6, 4, to the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 11, here to the Son. Why? Because God is manifest in three persons. He is one. He is perfect unity. What we cannot experience because there's emptiness inside of us, isn't there? There's no emptiness in God. He's complete. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were all there at the resurrection. Who was there at creation? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three attributed to the creation of the world. The Bible teaches it. The Trinity's here. It's not hidden. It's right in the open, laid out before us that we would see. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon. He's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Don't listen to him. He's crazy. But listen to what what others said. These are not the words of one who has a demon. And can a demon open the eyes of the blind? He's facing these men, sharing with them the truth. Is it because of their their belief system that they're not able to reconcile what it is that Jesus is saying? Jesus told us why they don't believe. Why some think he's crazy and why others put their faith in him. Because men love the darkness. Because their deeds are evil. Sometimes a man don't want to come out of the dark. He just wants to stay there. But Jesus came to be the light, to dispel the darkness. He came as the door of the sheepfold so that we might enter in and find peace in a relationship with God. He came as the good shepherd and he gave his life for us, the sheep, his sheep. In the book of Luke, Jesus said, There was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine he had, but one was lost. You remember what happened? He left the ninety-nine in safety and did what? Found the one that was lost. Isn't that what God did in your life? It's what he did in mine. And that's what Jesus is declaring to us here. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's living and powerful. We thank you, Lord God, that we can put our hope and our trust. We, we can see, even from Genesis, Lord, you said you were the shepherd. In Psalms, you told us, you are our shepherd. In the book of Ezekiel, you told those who had, you had said in a position of shepherding that they should feed the flock and that you would come and do it yourself. And then Jesus came, John chapter 10, and said, I am the good shepherd to fulfill everything that we need. God, you paint such a beautiful picture when you paint throughout the word. We thank you that every word within the Bible is given to us for a reason. It declares to us the truth of who you are. 
Lord God, I thank you that you are my shepherd, that I know your voice, and that you know my name. And Father, it is our prayer, our sincere prayer, Father, that we would be healthy sheep, and that we would be got healthy sheep, that we would follow you as our shepherd that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would show us a way, that you would touch this community, Father, with the love of Jesus Christ. That you would touch our neighbors, our friends, our family, other sheep you have that are not in this fold. We pray, Father God, that they would hear your voice through us, your church, and come and see Come and see the one who told me everything I ever did. Who gave me everything I'll ever need. Who showed me the way. Father, we pray that you would energize your body. We pray that you would energize your sheep to go forward. We pray, Father, if there's any here this morning that don't know you, God, they they don't walk out the back of those doors without saying, I want to know the shepherd. I want to give my life to him. I want to seek his, his face. I want to hear his voice. I want to follow him. For if anyone walks in the door, he will be saved. Father, we ask that your spirit would move upon this place in a mighty way. We seek your blessing. We seek your anointing. We pray, Father, that we would just have a blessed, wonderful day, Father, as we just enjoy one another's company in a time of koinonia. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in your sheep. And we give you all the praise and the glory as our shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.